Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. I want to teach this uh, uh, for a minute. Um, we were in here on uh, Wednesday night. On Wednesday night, I, I have a little bit of help that comes in to help me. The men from the House of Grace come in. And so if you see a few people in here uh, on the live stream on Wednesday night, it is those men. They come in here, and um, I'm just really glad that um, they just helped me out a lot on Wednesday night. So on Wednesday night, I I went through... On, on the transformation of the mind and tr- uh, uh, changing the way you think, um, we got some home groups going on, and I think one of the one of the uh, one of the lessons or whatever one of the um, some of the material we're going over in some of those home groups are the um, transformation of the mind that Bill Johnson did. It's a phenomenal book if you've never read his book. And uh, but anyhow, what I want to do is I've uh, uh, if you listen to podcasts or whatever, I've recently started uh, listening to a few podcasts because uh, Chris Valentin come out with a new book, and what I wanted to, I'm just telling you, this is just phenomenal content. I've got a, some of this in here is going to be me, but a lot of this, if you get his book Spiritual Intelligence, it's out of chapter two. It's just phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. And Catherine, she's been doing uh, Revelation Wellness. It's something that Allison done, and I seen the fruit of the ministry uh, in in her life, and it just really just, I mean. Uh, it just changed you. That's all I can say. Uh, Cleve says somewhat, but we noticed the change. But now I'm cutting up. It just changed. So Catherine, it was something that she wanted to do. And Catherine teaches school. She teaches third grade. And so and it was just we could never really get it in, in her time schedule to go out to Arizona to do the retreat. And so I was praying one morning or whatever, and I just text um, uh, Allison, and I said, listen here. What does it take to get Catherine into Revelation Wellness? I wanted to do it for because she was just like, I don't know if God wants me to do that or whatever. But man, she would just go crazy on and on about it. And I'm like, Catherine, God wants you to do that. You keep going to it over and over. It's exactly what he wants you to do. So with the whole COVID deal or whatever, they put uh, the Revelation Wellness with Elisa Keaton did did it online. So she was able to get online. And so it's a lot of information you got to go over there studying the book of Nehemiah. And um, and so she tells me a lot of the things that she she learns. And so one of the things that she was telling me is that Elisa Keaton is big on uh, the neuroscience and just uh, going out of that and how to change the pathways of your brain. And so just jump up and just tell them just a little bit. I'm calling you on the spot to ask you to preach. It's just a little different this morning. Just tell them about when you move your body or whatever. I feel like Allison needs to come up here and do this. <laughs> Good practice for student teaching in two weeks when I have to 10 minutes do uh, a pre, a warm-up, and then I have to uh, lead a workout, and then I have to do the cool-down. And I called Allison. I'm like, I am scared to death. What if I mess up? I've got to count 10, 9, 8, 7. And so I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready. And they're screaming on the other end on Zoom, you're ready, you're ready for this. So I told John I went to the cabin yesterday, and I was on the back porch, and the Holy Spirit is so good. Uncle D, if you heard me praying, I'm sorry. I felt like I sounded like a Comanche out there. But anyway, um, I felt like while I was praying, the Lord gave me a little routine or whatever. And I happened to jump on this different 
place than where I normally jump on to do my exercise with Rev. And lo and behold, she was doing a workout um, with a, uh, like a, like a stick, like a staff. And as I was praying yesterday, the Lord gave me what I'm supposed to do. So I'm supposed to do a song using the staff. And we've preached about the staff in here. And so I'm excited because now I at least have a direction of what to do. <laughs> and I know I'm not going to get up there and do Zumba or something. So anyway, it calmed my nerves just a little bit. But um, if you get on a Revelation Wellness podcast and you listen to Elisa, um, lately, really for about the past year, all she's been going back to is neurogenesis. And uh, this is straight up word. And how when we meditate on the word, the Lord changes our heart and our mind. And um, But one of the things that science has discovered, obviously the Lord already wrote in the book. And so, um, which is amazing to me. I love to find that when scientists discover what is already written, uh, in the word that we've been believing for years and years. And uh, so one of the things is neurogenesis, and it's all about creating new neural pathways in your mind. And um, Elisa will have different doctors and people on there. One of the ladies that she had on there was Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and she does the studies on this. But anyway, um, basically in a nutshell, when we move our bodies, when we are learning something new, and when we're speaking something new out of our mouth, those three things in conjunction together will create amazing new neural pathways in our mind. And so this is already written in the Word of God. And so amazingly enough, um, y'all, I'm telling you, it it works. I have been walking and listening to the podcast, and um, and I'm, I'm changing my heart in the way I'm viewing things through the lenses uh, that I've always looked at things like, in a negative way, the more I keep listening and walking and putting the word in through my mouth as I'm moving my body, it's, it's changing me. And uh, so anyway, that's neurogenesis in a nutshell. Amen. So let's go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. And um, I'm going to quote Dr. Carolyn Leaf here. Um, and all of this, too, that uh, if, you, if you've followed the ministry out of Bethel or whatever, um, if you know Chris's life, he wrote the book Spirit Wars after he come out of this extensive time of just deep depression, and he couldn't get off the couch. He was actually, that book is actually, he penned that book after that experience and just could not, just could not seem to shake the dark night of the soul. And um, so that led him down the path to studying, you know, about the, the effects of the brain and the neuroscience and stuff like this. So let's, let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He said, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? Um, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God and to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness and experience all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. 
Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you. That's a good word, how you translate this. Listen to this. Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a, through a total reformation of how you think. God help us to think like you do. The Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. Listen to this now. We have the mind of Christ. How many wants to think like God? You have that ability. All right, look at this. All right, how, how to think. This, this will empower you to discern God's will as you beautifully, as, as, as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Now, l- listen, Catherine already quoted this lady. Dr. Carolyn Leaf says that our thoughts travel on brain highways called neuropathways. Listen to this. The thoughts, your thoughts are traveling on brain highways called neuropathways. The wider the highway, the easier it is to repeat the same thought. And the more we repeat the same thought, the wider the physical highway in our brain gets. Ronald Miller is another researcher, shows that when our brain draws a conclusion about something, it uses the least amount of energy to get to that conclusion. Other words, when that thought enters your mind, it's traveling what's already there, the highway that's already developed in your mind, and it comes to that conclusion, the fastest route. Now, the fastest route is, is as uh, Chris was teaching this, is, not, is the way the crow flies. That is the shortest pass from this distance to this, the way the crow flies. So your thoughts are not going on just like pulling up to this intersection. It's traveling the fastest way possible through your brain with the least amount of energy, and it's using something that you've already got formed in your mind called the neuropathway that's there. Are you with? This is why, listen, a lot of times, especially in the Pentecostal church, we, we're afraid of uh, meditation. We think meditation means new age, but God commands us to meditate on his word. And what I want to show you this morning, if you didn't watch on Wednesday night, meditation is not sitting in the corner somewhere humming or just sitting there rocking with your Bible in your lap. Meditation is like a bulldozer forging new pathways into your brain where we can begin to think the way God thinks. With me. So the research shows that when when our brain draws a conclusion about something, it uses the least amount of energy to get to that conclusion. It takes the quickest route to process the information. The way the crow flies, the shortest distance, just as it is difficult to get a crow to fly, the exact route on a highway, so it is to get our mind to take a different route than what we're used to custom than what we are accustomed to. Another neuroscience concept is called the principle of first mention. The principle states that the first time you hear information about a subject, it becomes the way in which you view that topic from that point on. Listen to this now. Another neuroscience concept is called the principle of first mention. The principle states that the first time you hear information about about one subject, it becomes the way in which you view that topic from that point on. In other words, the information you receive first about something creates the lenses by which you view that subject. Everything you hear or experience after that the first goes through the first exposure to that topic will be processed through the information you receive first about it. So think about this. So if you're, you've been, there's a lot of things that come to my mind on that. But listen, God established this. God established this way of thinking so we as parents could be the first ones to train our kids kingdom culture. 
so that when they get in a world of deception, they've already have been grounded, come on somebody, in the kingdom lifestyle and kingdom thoughts because the kingdom we represent is an upside down kingdom to the world's kingdom. In the world's kingdom, you receive, uh, you get by receiving, but in God's kingdom, you receive by giving. In the world's system, you get exalted by getting yourself up high. Come on, somebody. But in God's kingdom, you get exalted by humbling yourself. And so God established this way of thinking so that we as parents could train and mentor our children, but he also established it so as leaders, we could be able to, 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 to put the kingdom culture in those under our care. The difficult thing of changing the way you think is also the other side of this is when someone was, if someone beat a kingdom-minded person to the draw, you have to really denounce or force that way of thinking out of your mind by changing it with truth. Are you with me now? All right, I don't know if I'm doing that a good justice or not, but listen, so the law first mentioned says everything that you're going to hear from that ex- after that experience, uh, you'll, you'll pass it through the information you received uh, first. Now, <clears throat> he gives in the book eight characteristics of a transformed mind. So he gives us eight things that, and this is not a conclusive uh, list. He just lists eight points to kind of give a litmus test, if you will, of where we're at on the transformed mind and how we're thinking. So, so Paul said in, in, in Romans 12 too, that the transformation is a result of the transformed mind. And here's eight characteristics. Number one, you're full of hope. If you are always depressed and always negative, you do not have a transformed mind. The transformed mind is not just about changing the way we think, but it's how we believe. We got to get right thinking will lead to right believing. Are you with me now? And it will also lead to right behavior. All right, so number one, you're full of hope. This is, a, this is a group of people, this is a test, if you will, of how we know that we are walking in the transformation of the mind. We're full of hope. I don't know about you, but I, I live, especially down here in the South, in the, the world is absent of hope right now. We need people speaking hope right now. Come on now, we need preachers of hope. And the gospel is the gospel of good news. It's good news, not negative news, it's good news. Number two, the impossible seems reasonable. I remember reading in Heaven Invades Earth, Bill Johnson's first book that he released, and he talked about the day that that when someone came in with terminal cancer only given a few months to live, and he said that the church began to rejoice. He said it was at that point he knew the foundation was being laid in that congregation because now the impossible seemed possible before that group of people. This is the result of a transformed mind. When we look at the problems in our life, we're not absent of hope, friend. Come on, somebody. The Bible says, greater is he that is in us than he that's within the world. What lies within you is greater than what lies before you. When David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me, God can't get any larger than he is. But what happens is God becomes supreme authority in our eyes when we begin to worship him. And the problems that we face begin to shrink as we begin to exalt his name. Come on, somebody. All right. Uh, Justin, I say come on, somebody, a lot. That's just, I don't know why I do it, but I just say that. Preacher, every preacher's got something he says. Yet mine is come on somebody. I don't know why I've tried to, I've got to forge a new new thought in my brain besides come on somebody. All right. <laughs> All right. The impossible seems reasonable. 
That means when we get a bad report from the doctor, we don't fall to pieces. That means when the rent or when finances are tight, we don't fall to pieces. That means when our children are cutting up, we don't fall to pieces. Come on, somebody. Because the impossible seems possible to the transformed mind. You live in peace and don't worry. Your speculations are positive. You know what the Bible says in Corinthians 10? We'll read that in a minute. We cast down every thought and every lofty thing, every speculation that exalts itself against the goodness of God. Most people, the wadi of thoughts are not positive. You know what I'm saying? A wife's late coming home. We can't get a hold of her. The first thought is not, what if she's out shopping trying to find me a brand new deer rifle? Huh? You with me? We didn't get, a, we, we didn't get paid on time. The first thought that enters to our mind is probably, what if? The reason, what if, what, what if my boss is recalculating my bonus this year and I'm getting the largest check I've ever received from this company? The what-if thoughts are negative most of the time. But, but through the transformed mind, the what-if thoughts will change from negative to positive. What if? What if God is about to do a miracle? And we pray for miracles all the time, but you got to understand, when we pray on the earth for miracles that is translated into heaven, give them impossible situations. You can't have a miracle without an impossible situation. And we pray, God, we want to see miracles, God. Revive the works of the Lord in the midst of our years. Give us signs, wonders, and miracles. And then when we get in the hard time and impossible situation, we cry, oh, God, what are you doing? I'm answering your prayer. I'm giving you situations where you can see the hand of the Lord move. If Moses didn't have the Red Sea and Pharaoh chasing after him, he would have never stretched forth the rod of authority. You with me? All right, so let's look at this. So number three is you live in peace and you don't worry. Hmm. <laughs> I read these and I was like, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now, help me. <laughs> Come on now, look at this. Listen to this, you lack yourself and even rejoice in your weakness. He was prophesying this this morning. I told Matt the other day when me and him were going to lunch, I told him, I said, I started to write something today. You remember when, when God struck Jacob when he was wrestling with God? Jacob means swindler and cheater, but he's trying to change him into Israel prince with God. He struck his thigh bone. That is the largest bone in your body. And what he was saying is you will never be my prince walking in your own strength. God is rejoicing in the weak things right now. It was Gideon that had the large arm, and he said, you tell the men who are afraid to turn around and go back. 22,000 leaves and go at that. And he looks at it again and said, there's still too many. Take the ones that lap like a dog, and that'll be your army. Are you kidding me, God? What are you doing? I only have 300 men. That's plenty enough. I'm telling you, God loves to take the weak to confine the mind of the wise, those that are not moving in their own strength but are trusting in him. All right, so listen to this. You, you like yourself and even rejoice in your weakness, knowing that when and where you are weak, God is strong. You are quick to forgive. This is something right here. You are quick to forgive. No, we're quick to retaliate. We're quick with vengeance. But the, but the, but the renewed mind is quick to forgive and you freely give others grace and mercy. 
Mm -hmm. Help me, Lord. You are confident and thankful. Number seven, you believe in others and give them the benefit of the doubt. But most of us, let's be honest, we live like Eli when David come down to the valley of Elah where Goliath had the army of God held up. He said, I know your heart, man, you wicked. That wasn't David's heart, that was Eli's heart. And the most of the time when you judge people's motives and you say that's what that person is, a lot of times that's the motives of your own heart that you're trying to project on that individual. That's good. Oh, Lord. Verse, I mean, verse 8. Number 8, you know how to think tridimensionally. I need my mind renewed, so how do I do it? Let's go to Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, and you and all these people to the land which I am giving them to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. You've got to think about this. You just cannot just read this and go over this. You've got to think about this. The pastor just died. He said, you come, you're going from an associate staff to you leading this thing. <laughs> come on, you got to be honest now. If you went back and Mike called you in the office and said, you're leading this thing now. You say, oh, okay, okay. This is what's happening here. Joshua is now, he's now the leader of this, of, uh, he's now pastoring these people. And he doesn't have a congregation of 300. He's now leading the people. But notice what God, look at, look at God's instruction to him. He's telling him, Moses is dead. Arise, get up, get, over, get across this Jordan, and get the people of the land, that whatever. Now look what he says in verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6, be strong of good courage. For this people you shall divide as, as an inheritance the land which I swore to, you, to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left hand that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. Look at this, verse 8. But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, look at this. It didn't say God. Notice what, look at this right here. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, and that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Who's going to make you prosperous? You will as a result of, the, of, the, of you thinking different. This is the Holy Spirit in my life being used to transform my mind the way I think by paving new neural pathways into my mind with kingdom thinking. And if at this, as a result of this, I will make my way prosperous. Look at this. 
And, and, and then you will have good success. How many wants to have success? Success in the prosperous life comes from the transformed mind. Actually, wealth is actually tied to your soul prosperity, how well you're doing in the inward world. If you are, if you are prospering on the inside of your life, it will manifest to the outward parts of your life and in every parts of your life. Beloved, above all, I wish you would prosper and be in good health. Your soul and your health is tied to your prosperity. But the church, especially us in the South, in the Pentecostal world, we're just taught just have the Holy Ghost and huck and buck in church and you'll be all right. No, there's other parts of your life. You have a soul and you have a physical body. If you don't take care of your body, friend, listen, I don't care how strong you are spiritually, you're going to die premature. Something's landing. God. So meditate. When we think of the word meditate, when we think of the word meditate, we think just, if I just read it, if I just read it, and I believe you got to read the Bible, but I know a lot of people that read the Bible don't have no transformed mind. Reading the Bible is not, is it, John 5, 39, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have life. But you would not come to me to have life. Your Bible reading should lead you into encounters with the living Christ. You should be having encounters with the author. If not, you're just becoming more religious. And Paul told the Corinthians church in Corinthians 12 that knowledge puffs you up. It will move you into pride. So, so we're not just about reading the Bible here. This word meditate is not just about reading the Bible. It's a little deeper than that. So look at this. This word meditate is the Hebrew word H-A-G-A-H. They didn't have Greek and Hebrew down here in the south where I grew up, okay? <laughs> it, means, it means to growl and declare. Now, you heard Catherine. She told me, she said, I hope this and Donna wasn't outside because I, I might have scared them up, she said, because I was down here hollering in these war tongues. You know what was happening when she was hollering in the war tongues? She was growling, come on, in the spirit realm, forging something in her life as she was meditating on it. I feel the Lord right here. My God, he just, listen, when it, it, it means to growl. It means to roar. I'm telling you, I talk to myself all. You got to speak to yourself. Come on, somebody. Speaking to yourselves in spiritual songs and hymns and encouraging yourself. Come on, somebody. When that thought enters into your mind, I say, well, hold up just a second here. That's not the will of God for my life. I'm not going down. I'm not dying premature. Cancer has no right over my life. Come on, somebody. And then you begin to prophesy the word of God that by his stripes we are healed in Isaiah 53. First Peter 2.24. By his stripes we were healed past tense. Come on, somebody. In Matthew 8 and 17, he bore my sickness upon the cross. Come on. You've got to growl and roar over it. I thought meditation was just, oh, Lord, just setting down. I'm not saying you got to be wild and be out there slinging a staff in the woods either. But listen to what I'm saying. The Hebrew word for meditate, it means to growl and declare. This word is used in Isaiah 31.4, and for thus says the Lord to me as the lion roars or the young lion roars over his prey. It is a picture of something being blazed anew into your mind. Well, 
It's not sitting in the corner humming to ourselves. It's proactively bulldozing new neural pathways into our brain. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10. I'm back in the Passion Translation because Mr. Brian ain't got it all in between one thing yet. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, you all right? We're moving right along here. 2 Corinthians 10. Let me just say this. What I'm preaching about is not a two-week process. This is a lifelong process. This is, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I think a whole lot different today than when I arrived at this church. And there's been some key people in my life to help me on that. And we talk about the South, and I remember one time uh, just preaching, and I said, we're just country people. You know what I'm saying? Well, Danny, he takes me out to the woodshed in a nice way, cutting up. But he said, you're not no country bumpkin. Because, see, sometimes, listen, I've always lived in the South, but it doesn't mean I think like a lot of Southerners. I remember standing in downtown Ohio at the top of, in, in, in Columbus, Ohio, in a, in a high rise, and I took a picture and I sent it to one of my friends. I said, never let people with small thinking determine your destiny. I may be here, but it doesn't mean that I've always thought like here. But I, this is where I grew up, and this is where God called me to. I love this place. I love South Georgia. I really do. And even though, you know, I, I mean, it doesn't get a lot of love. Even if, I mean, the Bulldogs could go out, Georgia could go out and play, or the Braves, they always let us down. But, man, they're going to come through again. I know they will before I leave the earth. You know what I'm saying? You with me? But nobody gives a sports team. You know what I'm saying? The Falcons, we, a few years ago in the Super Bowl, we're celebrating. You know what I'm saying? We've all... I mean, we've done it. You know what I'm saying? Then Tom Brady comes out like a surgeon, and we all crying. You know what I'm saying? What happened? What happened? If, if we lost it in the blink of an eye. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Last year, I'm gonna last I'm gonna say last year in the playoffs, the Braves trying to go. We click on the scores, eleven to nothing after the first inning. Okay, that's good. What, we, what else y'all do today? <laughs> Listen. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1. Now please listen, for I need you to address an issue. Please listen, for I need to address an issue. I'm making this personal appeal to you by the gentleness and self-forgetfulness of Christ. I am the one who is humble and timid when face-to-face with you, but bold and outspoken when I'm a safe distance away. That's the way I am with Catherine. Look at this. Now I plead with you, that when I come, don't force me to take a hard line with you, which I'm willing to do by daring to confront those who mistakenly believe that we are living by the standards of the world, not by the Spirit's wisdom and power. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't, li- we don't wage military campaign employing human weapons using manipulation to achieve our aims. Look at this. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, look at this, like prisoners of war, every thought. This is a a proactive thing that you have to do. Because when the thought comes, it's going to jump on that old pathway that you have in your mind. 
If you was raised in the South, a lot of times it just as happens with us Southerners, a lot of poverty thinking has set inside the church and it has crippled us for years. This demon of poverty. Nowhere in the Bible does it preach that we're supposed to be poverty-stricken people down here in the South. God promises an abundant life. Come on, somebody, that we're the head and not the tail. We are to reign in this life. Come on now. The Bible says in the book of Mark 10 that if you don't leave houses, lands, or mothers, sisters, or brothers for my name's sake that you will not receive a hundred life in this, a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. God promises prosperity. But somewhere, the thought process, the poorer we could be, the more holier we could be. That is a lie. Church, we agree with that in this room. That is an absolute lie. Jesus was not broke. He wore a seamless robe. That was the Armani of his day. He was able to afford a room for 13 people to get in and have a kosher meal for 13 men. He had enough money when Jesus said, when when, uh, they said, Lord, I mean, you want us to feed them? I mean, mean, what was it? 200 denario couldn't feed this group of people. A denario was a day's wage, so they at least had 200 days wages on them at that moment. How many knows he's okay? But we have the thinking that has ate up the church. Let, let me just say this. We were talking about the rev well. We'll go ahead and launch this out there. We're talking about the rev well that Allison and Catherine, well, Catherine will be, have her certificate to do it in a couple of weeks or whatever. And it's not about losing weight. Elisa Keaton is not about losing weight. It is about losing the weights of life. And as you get rid of every weight that does so easily beset you, the natural weight will begin to come off your life, and you'll begin to think different. And, you know, and so it's phenomenal what they do or whatever. So anyhow, they were talking about these classes, and they, like you guys do conferences, the one thing, and Bethel does conferences or whatever. And so Catherine's just like, she said, I just don't think we could charge anything for people to come. First of all, if you give somebody something for free, they don't have a dog in the fight. So they're less likely to, they're less likely and then when they hear something like, let's just say this, $20 a month to work out, that's how much you value your own health and life that you can't even invest $20 in it. Oh, my God. So we ate up with this deal in the South. We got to give everything to people. But when you invest, when you make an investment, whether it's books, whether it's working out or whatever, you're more than likely to stick with the thing. You're more than likely to stick with the program. So look what he said. He says you capture every thought that comes against the knowledge of God. Now let me say this. I got this revelation when I was 19 years old. Jensen Franklin preached a message he used to have back when we had cassettes. He used to have the top 10 from every year. And I remember the year in 1999, I got the top 10, and he had a message in the top 10 called Beware of the Traveler. And he preached this message where Nathan comes in to rebuke David with a parable about a rich man, a traveler. No, he rebuked him with a parable about the traveler that came to town. And this, this man, this poor man had only one, one lamb. You remember this? It's, it, it, and so he goes in and, and the, the man takes the one lamb for himself. And David said, whoever this man is, surely he shall die. And then Nathan looked at him. I love this. Nathan looked at him and said, you are the man. And then he goes in and talks about the mercies of God. 
But he said, beware. He said, the traveler. And Jensen preached a message called Beware of the Traveler. Let me say this. The traveler comes to all of us in this room every day in the way of thoughts. But the problem is, is we, we don't have to let the traveler stay in lodge in town. We have to look at have a kingdom mindset of what this Bible says about our life. Hosea said we're destroyed by a lack of knowledge. Come on, somebody. We're destroyed by the lack of knowledge. And, and even though we got the Bible in every form, we got it on our phone. We've got a biblical, illiterate generation that is now on the earth and young people that have not, don't even know what the Bible says. And down here in the South, I, I hear people say, well, the, don't the good book say? Man, that's not the good book. That's a living word. Come on, somebody. You can't look at it like no good book. It's a living word, and you got to devour it every day of your life. You got to spend time in the word so that we can take the traveler captive. Now he goes through this. I'm, I'm trying to hurry up on this. He goes through core values and high values. The renewed mind doesn't just think different, it believes different. Listen to this high values are the truth you hold in the greatest regard, but your core your core values are what you truly believe. The way you actually see the world. Luke 8, Luke 8, look at this. I want to read this out of the New King James. Listen to this right here. Luke 8, verse 18. Therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken away from him. Therefore, take heed how you hear. Here, look at this word right here, Mark, in, in Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, verse 24, Mark chapter 4, verse 24, it says, take heed what you hear, same verse, with the same measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. In the New American Standard, it's, it translates that verse out of Mark. I believe it is. It takes how you uh, uh, take care how you hear. All right. So how do I hear? It's not. It's not. It's not what someone say, says. It's how I hear what they say. Are you with me now? And so in this, he says, how you listen is determined by what your core values. Core values are the glasses your brain wears. It is not what you see, but the way you see it that affects your emotional state. How many knows it? Remember when Elijah just come off the mountain after, after slaying the prophets of Baal? He goes down and the, and the scripture says that Jezebel says, tomorrow this time I'm going to do to you exactly what you did to the prophets. And the scripture goes to say, it says that when he saw that, I didn't think he saw it, I thought he should have heard it. But the scripture says in the New King James, when he saw that, where did he see that? In his mind. He heard it with his ears, then his mind began to play the video of him losing his life, which led him in depression after seeing God come and answer by fire. Come on, y'all. Remember, this is so important what I'm trying. I don't know if I'm communicating it right. But you remember in Mark chapter 4, I believe it's Mark 4, where the disciples get on the boat and Jesus said, uh, uh, you don't have any bread? 
You, you know what I'm saying? And, and they're thinking, he's thinking about, you know, take heed of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They said, it's because we have no bread. He said, why do you reason why you have no bread? He said, how long must I stay with you? In other words, what is he saying to them? Guys, you just seen me feed 5,000 with a few loaves and fishes. So when we see the miracles of God, whether it's a healing of a cold, if we see God heal a cold, we saw God heal. And Elijah began to ran at the cloud the size of a man hand. I think the church is not willing to, I mean, think about this. Did you hear how, what he said? For 21 years, for 21 years, not three days, not 10 days, and not six months, for 21 years, y'all let me, for 21 years, I didn't say for three months, not six months, 21 years, they have been contending in Kansas City, night and day prayer before the throne of God for reformation throughout the nations of the earth. We can't even get people to contend for two hours. He ain't coming, brother. I mean, how many people? There's a reason, there's a reason why Paul commanded in Corinthians to despise not the gift of prophecy. Despise, listen, because prophets see it, declare it. They keep the church, apostles keep the church believing, but prophets keep the church expecting. And without the prophetic unction of the prophetic in our, in our atmosphere, in our, in our gatherings, we will lose the expectation of what's around the corner. Apostles can keep us believing, but the prophetic keeps us expecting what's around the corner. And for 21 years, they have been contending for a reformation. Now, how many times do you think the thoughts has entered into Mike Bickle and that staff out there? Man, you're wasting your time. Man, are you, are you kidding me? Do you believe something like this is going to happen? And night after night in the wee hours of the morning, Christmas Day and Thanksgiving, when everyone else is sitting down to Turkey, there are kids and students that are in that house of prayer, fasting, giving their life, contending for it. Church, I'm telling you, I don't believe none of those prayers are in vain. Come on, somebody. Revelation talks about the prayer bowls of heaven, and I'm telling you, we are about to enter a generation where we see those prayer bowls emptied over the entire planet. Come on, I am believing for a massive move of God. While the church in the south is waiting on the rapture, I'm expecting God to come, not in the rapture, but in signs, wonders, and miracles, and a great, and a great representation of himself through the church. Come on, y'all. We're about to be like Moses going before the pharaohs of the earth to demonstrate the goodness of his kingdom. Lord. <laughs> All right. The glasses that we see through. Let me, let, me, let me stay right here for a minute. If you listen to the podcast, I'm just telling you, man, I can't even do this justice. I'm just trying to deposit with you what I mean. But he's got a podcast called Sunglasses. I'm not even finished with it because I, I, I just, I'm, I'm going to finish it up. I got a three-hour ride after the service. But he's talking about, he preaches it like S-O-N glasses. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, if you get no Chris, he's a big cut up to it. And he said, you know, people think a guy from Weaverville can't spell or whatever, you know. But he's talking about the glasses. 
How many knows this? We, we preach this big time out of Hebrews chapter 1 that Jesus Christ is the exact representation of his father. He is the mirror image of his father. And he speaks through the language of a son, right? In the times past, he spoke through the prophets in, 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 in bits of information to us. Or whatever. But in these last days, he has openly spoken to us in the language of his son. So anything you see in the gospels about Jesus that you believe or thoughts that you have about the church and about God that you can't find in the life of Jesus, you have to begin to question what you believe. Because Jesus is perfect theology. You with me now? So these glasses that we begin to see through, you and I develop core values through our upbringing, our raising, and what we were, what, 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 that, that's what developed the values that we have. And it's what, how we see the world around us through these glasses. Now I'm going to give you a straight up uh, um, uh, uh, illustration of how we can see two different things. I'm just, maybe I'll share my own, uh, confess my own sins and God, God will help us here. Me and my oldest son, Grant, were hunting a piece of land. He has this, this app on his phone that's, that's really cool. It's, you just click on the parcel. Of, it pulls up the, where you're at, and immediately it pulls up the parcel of ground you're on. It tells you the owner where you're at. It tells you the boundary. It's got phone numbers in there, so you can contact landowners. It's not like people let you hunt in. Well, are you careful hunting your land? No, man, are you crazy? But anyhow... Um, we long to get to Missouri because you where some big deer are. But anyhow, um, so so this um, we're on this parcel. I knew we were close to the landline. Well, this guy happens to come. I hear him coming through the woods. He's coming on a range or whatever. And he's like, he rides up right upon us, and he says, "Oh, I didn't know y'all were hunting." I'm thinking, man, what you think we're about here doing? Hiding Easter eggs? I mean, yeah, you know we were back here, and you come back here just to. You know what I'm saying? So the more I thought about it, after we, Grant and I, uh, we all went to our places to hunt, I got to think about it, and I got a little ticked off, so I sent him this text. I said, I'm glad I was with you. I said, because I believe this guy would have might have got a little sideways with you. Well, he sent me a text back. No, I don't believe that. He was pretty nice. I'm telling you the way we perceive the world is through experiences we've had in our own life, and those are the lenses. You know what God began to show me right there, right then and there? I got scratches on my lenses that I really need him to help me with to remove. Because of the experiences I've had with people, I judged that man to do the same thing that someone's done in the past. But he's not had those experiences yet in his life. So he's not looking through the scratch, but through the clear lens that says, no, Dad, that guy's pretty nice. Oh, my God. Lord Jesus, this is good right here. And this is, this, so this is what we were talking about in my office this morning. So, so Paul goes on to talk about in 1 Corinthians 4.15. He says you have many boy leaders or many baby Christians trying to teach you. But you have few fathers that know how to correct you in love. So fathers, and when our lives are submitted to people that we trust in our life, the role of that father is to begin to remove the scratches off of your lenses. So Chris Valentin shares his story. If you know his story, his dad died, well, I think when he was two years old at Anderson Dam. 
And so his mom remarried, and she re- and this guy was not nice to him. And the second guy, he lived in an abusive house. So anytime he heard the word father, it, he cringed because he associated that through the lenses in which he had with the experiences of his life that dads are mean, dads are evil. They're abusive to you. And so what God puts a man in his life to begin to father him who is very gentle. Then he puts another man in his life who is very gentle. And then he meets the Johnsons and he meets Bill and Benny and Bill is very gentle. And he said throughout the process of the years of his mind being transformed that God has removed the scratches from his glasses. I'm just telling you, church, I think that we, I think that one of the things we need to do is make sure if there's anything we got in our hearts towards people, we ask God to help us to forgive them and begin to remove the scratches from our, our glasses because we keep judging people around us for what previous people has done in our lives. And we're never going to give people the benefit of the doubt until we can truly walk in forgiveness and quit seeing people the way they did. Let me just, I'm just going to use our own stuff. Maybe this one. This is, Catherine got married when she was really young. She was 18 years old. Her husband left her at 25. I'm very grateful he did. One man's trash, another man's treasure. And I met her. We've been rocking it for 20 years now. So here's the thing. But listen, because I grew up, I'm just telling you my own stuff. Because I grew up, I didn't grow up with a family teaching me kingdom principles. Everything I have now, I've had to get on my own, and God's put great people around my life to begin to shape the way we think. So all I know is when my mom and daddy got in an argument, my dad said, I'll tell you why, I'll get my stuff and leave. He never did thank God, but let me tell you something. What I found out real quick, because she had been left before, that was not the language I could use in my house. And it took me as a young man being stupid for several years for God could finally help me and realize that. And so, and so I repented of that, and I can't use that as a weapon anymore. Because every time I would say that, I was instilling to her, I'm just like the other person that you had in your life. I will not honor covenant. I don't know what it is, you know what I'm saying? But God helped me, and through the years, I've changed my language, and I communicate to her, I am a covenant man. I'm committed to you until, the other, until we get on the other side. We've got to begin to remove some scratches from the lenses. So over the years, after 20 years, now if I'm running late, she don't have those thoughts of what in the world is he out there doing? Forging a new pathway into our mind. Man, I'm trying to figure out where we can go right here. Let's finish up with this right here. Let's finish up with this. Let me just say this. I'm, I'm going to go right back to this. When people, when people come around me and they say, you know, man, John, I just want to help you. I'm always reluctant to who puts their hands around me or who wants access into my life because of what has happened to me in my life. It's hard for me to believe that a man could just really want to have something to do with me just because he loves me. Because most people want what they can get out of you. And when they get what they get out of you, they hightail it and go. But I'm telling you, I just believe that the Lord, I feel the Lord in this room right here come for a healing right here. In this room, I'm telling you, by faith, if you believe it right here, I believe God can diminish a lot of scratches from off of our lenses right now in his presence. You know, a lot of times we take deliverance and we think we got to do like a 
Bob Larson or whatever, Noble Hayes uh, cast out. It's a simply to know the truth and the truth shall set you free. What that word truth means is reality. Know the reality of where you're at right now and realize that a greater reality is available for you and reach out and grab it by faith and say, God, I pray that you begin to remove these things from my lenses because I don't want to see people like this. I don't want to see people that's out to get me. I want to see people for who and value them for who they really are. And let's establish this. Everybody has weaknesses, and we always try to keep our, we always put our strengths forward. You are not only your strengths, you are also your weaknesses. But it's, I'm not talking about sin here because you should never coddle sin. Are you with me now? That's what the cross is for. We, 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 we death to sin and alive to God. Are you with me? But the weaknesses that we're, we're not only our strengths. And so Brene Brown talks about how to overcome, overcome shame. You overcome shame with vulnerability. And vulnerability is simply this. It's the ability to tell your whole story. It's the ability to tell the whole story. It's to be able to, for Catherine to stand up and say, yeah, you know what? My husband did leave me. After seven years, I got married, and I, I went against all counsel in her life to get married, but she did it anyhow because she was headstrong. She's still a little headstrong. And it didn't work out. But the last 20 years, I think she would say she's put up with a lot, but it's, we've seen God do amazing stuff. And there's life on the other side of that. Let me just say right here, you remember when the three Hebrew boys were thrown into the fire? In the book of Daniel, the three Hebrew boys that were thrown into the fire. What was amazement at that is Nebuchadnezzar, when he walked, he said, I thought we threw three men in. He said, but there's a fourth man in there who looks like the son of God. But it says that they come out, it says that their clothes were not burnt. And it said that the smell of smoke was not on them. That's the way God wants us to make it through the fiery trials of life, that when we come out on the other side, the smell of smoke is no longer on us. The smell of that divorce is no longer on your life. The smell of that bankruptcy is no longer on your life. Come on, church. The smell of that failure is no longer on your life. You come through and you walk through the process of healing so that when you get on the other side, the smell of that tragedy is no longer on your life. How many people are walking wounded on the face of the earth and smell like smoke for something that happened in the 80s? How many people are walking broken and, and full of unforgiveness because of something that happened in the 90s? I'm here to tell you God's telling us this morning get the smoke of that stuff off of us forgive the people when you forgive them it doesn't mean you got to go eat with them doesn't mean you got to go hang out I got several people that I am not hanging out with are you with me now but it doesn't mean listen I'm not, we're not going to be besties we're not going to grill steaks together but I forgive come on I choose when you choose to forgive it means you release them of the punishment you think they deserve and here's the crazy thing about offense. When you're offended, you're the one drinking the poison, hoping they're going to die from the poison. John Bevere wrote a great book called The Bait of Satan. And what he did is he made this picture. He used the word from the, from the Greek word offense, and it's this picture of the place that you place the bait in a trap. The enemy tries to trap us with unforgiveness, with, with, with old bait from some offense or somebody done us wrong. And what happens is we're drinking the poison, hoping the other person's going to die. I'm telling you, by the grace of God, dumped a cup of poison forgive them say God bless them I thank you that you for them come on somebody and move on with your life don't look through that situation through the lenses because here's the thing if you still got something held by some old 
Lord, that's even crazy sound preaching like this because, I mean, I am holding this deep down. <laughs> but if you got a previous spouse, how in the world can you ever believe God for, for, for a marriage and for something great when you're still holding unforgiveness against the last one? All you're going to do is take all that hurt and bondage into a new relationship. Get rid of it by the grace of God. Stand up right here. We're going to pray. Listen, I'm asking you, go back. He's got some great resources. Let's bless him. I want him plenty blessed. He's leaving here, going to Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Florida. And, um, and so he's going to be on the road. Let's pray for him and his family. They're going to be on the road for about a month before returning back to, you said, when are you returning back? December, yeah. So some of those books and some of those CDs that he has back there. Father, we just thank you today. Just stretch your hands up by faith in his presence. Father, we thank you today for your goodness. We thank you for the power of your word, God. I thank you for the power of your word. The word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. Divide soul and spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray today you release your scalpel into this room and you remove hurt, you remove bitterness, you remove unforgiveness out of our heart. And Father, I pray you begin to just take the lenses of our heart and begin to rub them with that cloth and just begin to clean our glasses up where we can see clearly. Father, your word says, take heed how you hear. Take heed how you hear. Father, we want to have the correct lenses to be able to walk in this life. Father, we want to be an extension of your kingdom on the earth where thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, the only way to do that is to have the transformed mind. The only way to do that is to think like you. And Father, your word promises me that we have the mind of Christ. Our minds is just filled up of all kind of other things. You remember when Peter was rebuked in Matthew 16, he said, because you are not mindful of the things of God. Father, I pray this morning, let our minds be full of the things of God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you that when I see that individual, I'm going to be able to smile instead of go down the other aisle. I thank you when I see that individual, I'm going to be able to look at them and greatly rejoice at what you are doing in their lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that I'm not going to tote this another day into another year. I'm going to really lay this down at your feet today, God. I thank you, Lord God, for your word. You always, you, you're, I just thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, I bless this people today, God. I bless this people today. We bless this region, Lord. Father, we thank you for, we just thank you for this region, and we just thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Give God a great God bless you. God bless you all. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.